Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I've got Brian on the phone with me, and today we're going to be reviewing the 1979 film Alien, directed by Ridley Scott, written by Dan O'Bannon, and starring Tom Skerritt, Sigourney Weaver, and Veronica Cartwright. And this is a movie about a crew on a commercial spaceship that encounters an evil alien. Um, Brian, I want to say this might be like one of the most acclaimed movies we've seen so far. Yeah, definitely one of the classics. It's uh, American Film Institute named it seventh best sci-fi of all time. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, You said seventh? Yeah. All right. I should have looked at that list. I wonder what the first six are. I'm guessing it's like Star Wars and Blade Runner, uh, some of the other classics. 2001, but, A Space Odyssey, maybe. Yeah. This uh, one's Blade prob- Runner, also directed by Ridley Scott. Right, yeah. Uh, pretty amazing. So I, I think this was only his second movie, and then Blade Runner came after it, which, I mean, that's that's a pretty great run of movies. He's done a lot, man. Gladiator, The Martian, Thelma and Louise, some pretty um, disparate stuff. Yeah, yeah, kind of all over the place. Uh, do you think, though, after Alien and Blade Runner, any of those other ones are like as big or as significant as these two? No. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Thelma and Louise and Gladiator are big deals. I don't think as yeah. big of a deal as Blade Runner and Alien, though. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And uh, yeah, I feel like more of his recent work has been uh, more like kind of pop mainstream, where I'm guessing this back then was more considered art. Uh, house maybe in the sci-fi area yeah I don't know it's hard to say I mean it did great at the box office but yeah it's yeah. probably a bit more artsy than it's definitely more artsy than The Martian yeah right <laughs> although I mean, he did a good job with that movie because that book sucked oh, oh I never read the book um, yeah, pretty but, dumb yeah I mean, the thing with The Martian I was just wondering why they're spending so many resources to get like one guy back I mean it's just one dude you can just leave him out there I don't know America. Yeah. <laughs> no man left behind. Uh, but yeah, I feel like his earlier work, like this one, is, is just like so edgy compared to some of the stuff he's done like in the past five, ten years. Even right. like uh, he's been uh, involved with some of the Alien franchise reboots, right? Um, you know what? I don't know to what capacity he was involved in that. I should have researched that further. I have the feeling he directed Prometheus and maybe that last one, Alien Covenant, but uh, you also double check too. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, man, there's uh, like eight Alien movies. I, I know, I know. Um, how many of them have you seen? You know, not many. I think I've only seen the first three. Alien, yeah. Aliens, Aliens was 86, Alien 3 was 1992. I think that's all I've seen. And then there was Resurrection in 97, Alien vs. Predator in 2004, Aliens vs. Predator Requiem in 07, Prometheus in 2012, and Alien Covenant in 2017. Nice. How many? How wow. many have you seen? You seen Prometheus, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, thanks. Thanks for going through that list. <laughs> that helped. Cause yeah, I think I've seen uh, Alien, Alien vs Predator, which is a fun one. Prometheus, and then uh, Alien Covenant, which uh, I liked Prometheus, but Alien Covenant wasn't uh, anything too special. Uh, you saw the? You've only seen the first three? I think so. Uh, okay. Uh, I heard the, a. I saw those when I was young. Like I don't think I've seen Aliens in quite a bit, and Alien Three. I only saw once when I was really, really young. I barely remember it. Yeah. And it, I feel like Aliens almost has like just as high as a level of, uh, you know, applaud by critics as Alien. 
for sure. And that was a bit more, I mean, it was still kind of horror sci-fi-ish, but that wasn't a lot of action movie, it seemed, as well. Yeah, James Cameron running it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, for, yeah, pretty cool. I, I mean, I guess it fits in that whole like late uh, 70s, early 80s sci-fi horror uh, action blending that was going on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, speaking of its success, uh, so yeah, number of awards, AFI list, uh, it won a bunch of awards that year. Um, also, financially, $150 million on a $10 million budget, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, and I got the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. Right. Um, yeah. And a name, an artist that we've mispronounced in a prior episode. I think Kyle had a, um, a comment about H.R. Giger. Mm-hmm. And he designed the the xenomorph and some of the sets too. Oh, cool! Yeah. So he won an award for uh, he's on that one the Academy Award. He, I think the award goes to the effects team in general. Yeah. He did a lot of the design work, and then there was another dude whose name I did not write down who um, helped him out with like the practicality of the costume and stuff. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, if that was a costume. A I know. Dude in a suit. I know. That's insane. Uh, so you know, it's so weird because like uh, this movie's from the late seventies, but do, do you feel like it looks aged at all? Like when you watch it, I think it looks pretty timeless. Yeah, yeah. Very. It's very incredible unique. how how good it looks. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, that that must have been like one of the scariest monsters to have like been uh, made at that point. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, of all time. Yeah. It's an yeah. Unsettling. Of all time. And that credit really goes largely to H.R. Giger just for like, and that's very much his style. Like if you look at some of his artwork, yep. you're like, oh yeah, he totally designed the Xenomorph, but it's it's unsettling stuff. Yeah, it really is. Uh, yeah, so, such an iconic uh, monster. And, and then so there's like this really tall dude like carrying or, or wearing the costume, right? Yeah, six foot ten dude. Yeah, yeah. Balaji Badejo. Right. Which uh, I didn't see anything about him, did you? He didn't do anything else. This is the only movie role he ever had. He was basically <laughs> what it sounds like. Somebody on the production team just saw him at a bar and was like, hey, want to be the Xenomorph? <laughs> You're tall. You want to be the monster in this movie? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty impressive. I can't believe there was like a person none did that whole thing. That must have been a mess. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Dude, watching yeah. this movie, it just like made me embarrassed for how... I, I mean, I don't... I'm not one of those people who detests CGI in all forms, but it was kind of embarrassing how good this movie looked and like some modern movies just look like cartoons compared to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like the new technology isn't being like used the right way or it's not really replacing some of the art that these guys were doing back then. Yeah, I think the right place for CGI is like to polish some things, like do as much practical as you can and use CGI to yeah. get you the rest of the way there, but for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Explosions and stuff, CGI, whatever, Transformers. Yeah. But sure. maybe not aliens or monsters. Would you put this in a, as a monster film or sci-fi or I've, I've heard some uh, people talk about it as a slasher film. What do you, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's squarely in sci-fi for me, but I mean, yeah, it's a monster movie as well. Slasher, the format of it kind of, but I, yeah. This was kind of as we'll as we see in another movie that we're discussing tonight for a different episode. That monster movie format of taking people down one by one already existed. Uh yeah, yeah, you're right. So that kind of could be an influence on slashers. 
True, true. Yeah, like a high body count and some monster going around to kill them. Yeah. This yeah. did happen during the slasher boom, but I think, I don't know when filming was, I doubt it had was influenced really but too much by slasher movies. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Um, yeah, so I, I guess it was a novel that this guy O'Bannon, or the, the script was something that this guy uh, O'Bannon was working on, and uh, he the original title was Star Beast. Uh, did you see that? I didn't see that. Uh, I think that would have been a funny, that was funny bad. franchise. I'm glad they didn't go that route. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Um, hey, did you uh, realize, or did, did you ever read about like the interpretation of um, some of the sexual overtones in this film and the how it's like supposed to be a commentary on rape at all? Yeah, that got a bit of an eye roll from me. Oh, yeah? Yeah, what do you think, though? Uh, I started to feel that way, but then I think O'Bannon himself kind of talked about how he was hitting on that and, like, how the aliens are supposed to represent, uh, you know, raping of, of uh, men, like, how they're, like, uh, impregnating them, um, and then uh, how, like, the alien, uh, the, the monster in this one is, uh, I think, a female, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it was interesting to hear him kind of endorse that. Uh, but yeah, it didn't chip out to me while I was watching it. Yeah, me neither. I, I guess. I guess it could work. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder if the writer, like, retroactively, like, reads reviews and it's like, or analysis, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's, oh, yeah. that's what I was doing. And I mean, <laughs> totally. yeah. some of that stuff, too, it's like, how much of it is just subconscious and how much was it like, I'm going to make this movie and it's going to be a metaphor mm-hmm. for rape and the rape cult, like, yeah. or is it just like, we're all afraid of some creature laying eggs inside of us? Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, and then giving birth, I mean, there's that scene that's kind of like, he gives birth and he like explodes when he does it. Um, that, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Like, uh, it's the, I, I thought it was more of a coincidence, but, uh, yeah, the writer kind of came out and, and said he actually thought it was more, like, overt in terms of some of those themes and uh, imagery. Uh, so I think he was trying to push some agenda there or, or some, like, meaning or message. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Just, just kind of a – I'm sure it didn't uh, – I don't know if that, like, carried through to through the uh, other films. Probably not, though. Uh, um, yeah, I'm not sure. And this dude, I mean, it's quite possible he knew – had the, that as a goal from the outset. He's no slouch. He did uh, – he wrote Heavy Metal. Which, are you familiar with that? I don't really know anything about it other than that it's like a popular anime movie from mm-hmm. the 80s. Uh, I just didn't, yeah, I just know the name. I've never seen it. Yeah. Uh, he did the, Returning, the Return of the Living Dead, Total Recall. Oh, a cool. A bunch of the other alien films. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And he oh. wrote it with another dude named Ronald Shusett, who also worked on Total Recall and some of the other alien movies with him. Right, right. Yeah, he's definitely in the, in the sci-fi space. Uh, did you recognize, I, I guess this was Sigourney Weaver's uh, second or third movie and really probably her breakout role. Um, yep. Yeah, probably, and it really put her on the map. I mean, like, this kind of, this film really defined her career for her. Yeah. Um, dude, one of the dudes looked familiar to me, but I just, I had no idea why. I just thought it was from my previous viewings of this movie. But yeah. the dude, Ash, who is, turns out to be the android. Right. He is Bilbo in Lord of the Rings. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, cool. Any, any other background on this? Um, so H.R. Giger, I was looking at some of the other films he worked on, mm-hmm. 
and he was a creative consultant for set design on a German horror comedy that was called Killer Condom. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's about a condom that like has fangs and bites penises off. Oh my God, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, we got to watch that one. Yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> I heard uh, for like the, the skin on the alien, on the, on the baby alien, I guess, uh, they, they use like shredded condoms, right? Oh, did they? Yeah, that would, I wouldn't be surprised. They also used a bunch of KY jelly for its saliva. Yeah, yeah, the, the imagery with that monster was crazy. Its mouth was like, oh, it's drooling. Did it just have like a fountain in there? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> or just a condom that someone was yeah, constantly slowly condom. squeezing that had a hole in it. Yeah. <laughs> so a movie was just sponsored by condoms. <laughs> yeah. There you go with that metaphor again. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tell me, man, something there. He was like, and we'll build it, we'll build it, get this, we'll build it out of condoms. <laughs> the whole creature. <laughs> yeah, he's really going over the top. <laughs> um... Uh, Oh, do you connect this too? I have, those both lead me to two stories about my dad and my wife's dad. Nice. My dad, Akron, of course, is known as the rubber capital of the world. Akron, where Ashvin and I are both from. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad used to work for a rubber company that tested rubber and various rubber or latex products, and they tested condoms. Wow, that's awesome. How did they, how did they test them? (laughs) <laughs> just tons and tons of sex uh, yeah. I think they had different machines that would like pull on them or um, test them for how easy they would puncture they'd fill them up with liquid and see oh, if they okay. would burst various stuff like that Not non-sexual ways see how they would withstand certain temperatures yeah okay. um, yeah so if that killer condiment had been sent to where my dad worked maybe they would have caught it oh my god before it killed anybody. <laughs> yeah. That's like the sequel to Killer Condoms. <laughs> Shows up in um, Akron. My wife's dad, he has been toying with this formula over the past few years for gigantic bubbles. Uh-huh. Like in your backyard, you can just make a pot of bubble juice and it makes huge bubbles. Oh, and one of wow. the ingredients is KY jelly. <laughs> and he yeah. went and bought it from the store. It was when both my wife... And I were home, and her sister and her husband were home. I don't know if, like, any of us were married yet. And my mom, like, or her mom, my wife's mom, walked in one night and saw KY Jelly just sitting on the counter. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, cornered each of her daughters separately and was like, um, this was on the counter. (laughs) We need to have a talk. (laughs) Yeah. And then her dad was like, oh, that's for my bubbles. (laughs) So did the bubbles work? Yeah, they work really well. He's oh since refined God. it to not include KY jelly, but I we do it for our son all the time. Dude, can he does he like have a patent on this? It's I mean, it's out there on the internet. There are a bunch of dudes tinkering with formulas and stuff. Oh, to make super bubbles. To make super bubbles. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh when you catch it in your hand, well I guess even a normal bubble, if you if it explodes in your hand, you have a little a little bit of soap so it's slippery. But if it's covered in KY, like what's the what does it feel like when it blows up on your hand? <laughs> Very warm just, and soothing. Yeah, your hands are just lubed up, ready to go. I'm actually pretty sure it killed a good chunk of our grass this summer, so we, we had to <laughs> <Yeah>. back off. <laughs> it's lay off the KY bubbles. Yeah, killer KY. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's awesome. I'm gonna look that up, and next summer it's gonna be all over Chicago, 
Blowing yeah. some KY in people's faces. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, cool, man. Any other background uh, before we talk about the re- the movie and do our review and spoil it? Uh, I think that's about all I got. Score by Jerry Goldsmith, who we talked about in the Psycho 2 episode. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty famous score, right? Um, I think so. It's not yeah. one I like would know off the top of my head, but... Yeah, I don't know. For some reason, when it, when it was playing, I, I just thought it sounded really familiar, and um, yeah, maybe something that... Uh, but yeah, it's, it's really well done. Yeah, and he's got a bit of a sound to him, and he's done tons of other big-name movies. Sure. He's right, right up there with John Williams in terms of notoriety. Yep, yep. Uh, well, great. Anything else? That's it. Let's let's move on. I'll stop. All right. Yeah, yeah, I know there's so much uh, about this movie. There's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. Let's let's talk about our review of it, and we'll go through the plot and uh, get into the spoilers. Uh, but before we do that, uh, I just need to step into the bathroom. I think I got something on my face uh, earlier while I was cooking, so uh, I'll be okay. right back. All right, man. Good luck. All right. Thanks. All right, hey man, I'm back. Yeah, everything okay with that face? Uh, yeah, you know, I was just uh, cooking some eggs and uh, something jumped on my face, uh, but it's it's gone now. Uh, I can't, can't find it, so it must have just gone away on its own. But I'm <laughs> feeling very hungry. Oh, I might, might have to chomp down on some food later. I assume everything's fine until I hear otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> until I see blood splattering out everywhere. <laughs> Dude, good. that is the only blood in the entire movie, I'm pretty I sure. I know, isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that. Like, you never really see any, like, uh, close-up, like, deaths or kills happen. No, you don't. Yep. Pretty pretty surprising for a horror film. Um, but yeah, th- this movie, it, it kicks off where we're uh, aboard the no- Nostromo. Uh, is that how you would say it? I think it's Nostromos. Nostromos? I think. Okay. Yeah, so they're aboard the Nostromos. Which is this commercial uh, spaceship, uh, which I guess if you're a commercial spaceship, that means you're hauling things across the galaxy, potentially. Does that sound right? Well, I assume there are various types of types of commercial spaceships in this world, but yeah, it is a, specifically a, a tug, a space tug is what they call it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got a, another definition for space tug. Yeah. Uh, so, then you got uh, seven uh, crew members uh, who wake up. They, they'd been in these uh, sleep uh, things, and they wake up in their sleep pods, thinking that they're probably back to Earth. It turns out that they've been rerouted, and uh, they've been sent to scope out this uh, suspicious signal that was coming from a nearby planet. And they're supposed to be... Uh, it's it's in their program or in their code that anytime there's a p- potential sign of new life, they have to go check it out. Which I was kind of amazed that like these guys are out there going around the galaxy and the universe, and this is the first time they're encountering alien life. Is that the impression you had? I think so. That was the impression I had, that it was the first alien life anyone had found, or maybe the first of that size or complexity. Yeah, yeah, yeah that could be it. Just weird, like, if you're at a point where, like, you've already developed commercial space tugs, uh, I feel like that means you've got, like, developed a pretty strong space infrastructure and would have encountered aliens by that point, but maybe not. There's got to be a first time at some point. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, Okay, so they land on this planet where the signal's coming from, and they see this alien spaceship. Uh, I I love the design of that spaceship, that, that, like, half-moon kind of shape. Do you like that? 
Yeah, and uh, Giger designed. That this was another part of the movie that he designed the the alien spaceship. Oh, cool! Yeah, that's that's an awesome looking ship. Um, so they go into the ship, and one of the dudes whose name is Kane is kind of walking around, and uh, they see this one alien skeleton, uh, which is dead. And um, I didn't think they were as impressed by that as I probably would have been. Were they like blown away, like holy shit? There's like this dead alien exoskeleton hanging out here. Yeah, their reaction to it was a little surprising. Probably not how the real life reaction would have gone. And just the yeah. fact that they were just crawling around in this alien's nest with a bunch of eggs in there, like there would be no consequences. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they come into this room and there are a bunch of eggs there that are uh, clearly like filled with like something that's still alive and uh, there's like a mist over it. Um, but yeah, they're, they're pretty, I guess, scientific and casual about the whole thing. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and this one dude kind of starts prodding an egg. It opens up and like this thing shoots into his face and just attaches itself to his face. They get him back uh, to the um, the uh, their, their ship, and this is the first time we kind of see what has gone over his face. I guess it's called a face hugger, but it's this kind of cool uh, like thing with tentacles that's like wrapped itself around his face. Uh, what would you think of this monster? Yeah, it looked good, kind of like an under underwater sea creature type thing. Yeah, yeah, very realistic. Yeah. Um, and and uh, it, it was it was like stuck on his face. They couldn't get it off. Uh, they try to cut its leg off, but like some acidic stuff comes out as like a defense mechanism. Yeah, its blood uh, is acid. It's a yeah. nice touch. Yeah, <laughs> really nice touch. Uh, so they don't know what to do. Um, uh, but a little while later, the creature uh, of its own accord uh, releases the guy's face and just kind of dies on its own. Um, and the guy kind of wakes up and he's okay. He was, he was kind of in a coma while it was on his face. So then they're all sitting around, uh, having uh, a meal before they head back to earth. And, uh, suddenly his stomach, uh, starts to hurt and then his stomach explodes and this alien pops out. He dies and this alien, this like little baby alien, uh, goes off running, uh, before anyone can stop it. What, what did you think of that baby alien? It looked really cool, but when it moved, it just looked like it was rolling across the floor. That was the yeah. only part of the movie where I was like, eh. Yeah. As far as the <laughs> effects go. Yeah, yeah. But, like, almost like it didn't have legs. It just kind of Yeah, yeah. What did you think? Uh, uh, I kind of thought, you know, I've been watching a lot of uh, Mandalorian lately. Have, have you watched that show yet? I haven't. Uh, but you've seen, like, the memes of, like, Baby Yoda and, like, how he's, like, really cute. Yeah, it was a little bit cute. Yeah, I thought I thought it was kind of cute. And you, you ever seen Spaceballs? No, I haven't. That's a whole. It's on. It's on a little list. I have of movies I'd like to watch. Oh, and, and there's a scene in there where the the, the same thing happens. The alien pops out, and then it like puts a top hat on and starts doing a dance. So I, I kind of thought of that when when this happened. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I don't sure. know if this part was supposed to be scary. Or not. Um, but yeah, so this alien's popped out. It's run off, and uh, they realize they got to catch it. Um. So they start going around with like a net and we get these two scenes of like very drawn out slow kills where the alien has like kind of grown like in a matter of like, well, like 15, 20 minutes, it turns into this full size monster. Is yeah, it grows really fast. Yeah. And, and it shreds its condom skin off. Uh, yep. So this, yeah, this one dude's looking for it and he finds the skin and then he runs into it. I really liked uh, this first attack scene. Um did you notice like it was in a room where there was like water like dripping and a lot of chains hanging? And I feel like they were trying to like emulate what the alien looks like. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, maybe. Yeah, just like really wet and like he's got like kind of a, 
I think he's got a tail. That or I guess she's got a tail. That that's the thing. You never see the alien uh, like the full body, do you? I don't think you ever see the full picture, but you see a decent amount of it. Yeah, yeah. Especially towards the end. Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, you yeah. see the full thing at the end, actually. Oh, right. When it like, yeah, you're right. It's kind of from far away. We won't. We are gonna spoil this movie if we haven't mentioned that already. If you're new, but we will wait until the appropriate time to spoil the ending. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> uh, yeah, but did, did, and then and then the next kill scene is uh, they've got the, uh, they've created this like little machine that can track movement, and uh, they one of the the captain I guess runs into the alien in the vents in the air vents. And, uh, and, and this is kind of like a pop out, like where he turns around and it's there and then you don't see what happens. So you have these two scenes with like long buildups and then like a quick death that you don't really see happen on camera. What, what did yeah. you think of that approach? Yeah, there's, I mean, long buildup in general is a theme through the movie. That chest bursting scene that we've just mentioned isn't until an hour into the movie or so. Yeah. yeah so it right. takes its time for sure. And then, yeah, when the kills come, it happens pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, they long, slow build-ups and the kills happen really quick, which uh, it's interesting because I guess like you're building the tension more and more, and then it just kind of pops. Yeah, I kind of like that. Yeah, I, I like that they took their time. Uh, like I felt like the whole movie, there's like this feeling that they're taking their time to lay out like the story, the characters, the setting, um, and even with these kills, like kind of build the suspense. Even though that first kill, like the guy is looking for this cat, which I thought that cat got kind of annoying. Jones yeah, man, you know, for as much as people, like, talk shit about jump scares, mm-hmm. they have a place in movies, and they've been around, I mean, even the classics that people revere and would say didn't rely on jump scares, there are, like, three, it's just a cat jump scares alone in this movie. Oh, yeah, you're right. So, I mean, <laughs> even the best horror movies, they they throw that yeah. in there a little bit. Yeah, I feel like if that happened today, people would be a lot more critical of it. I, I'm surprised Agreed. that like it was, it was so well like uh, respected back then. I mean, it, there's so much else going on in this movie, and that's the thing. A jump scare is fine for me if it's a part, yeah. like a weapon in the arsenal, but yep. I think the problem is there are certain modern movies that completely rely on them. Yeah. But yeah, it's easy to overlook the fact that even this movie has jump scares <laughs> a decent amount of yeah. jump scares because you've got this incredible creature design and a great lead performance by Sigourney Weaver, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I, I guess a few cheap uh, jump thrills in there. I almost wondered if they were going to do a franchise off of uh, Jones the Cat, who uh, leads to a lot of <laughs> spin off uh, trouble. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that fucking cat man. Uh, so then, uh, yeah, so you got two, two people dead here. So now Ripley, uh, who's played by Sigourney Weaver, is in charge now. And um, she talks to the ship's uh, computer, which is named Mother, and discovers that uh, the ship's mission has been changed. And the main focus now is to bring this alien back to Earth at all costs, even if it requires, you know, killing off the crew. So she's pissed and uh, she goes off on the science, the scientific officer, or medical officer who's on board. Um who then kind of attacks her, and when they're fighting, it turns out that that dude was an android the whole time, which, I mean, that, that's such a cool twist that they're into a movie uh, this far in. Yeah, that is a great twist. Yeah. And, uh, hey, uh, oh, one thing I was wondering, though, they never, um, they never, in any of the franchises, do we ever find out if Sigourney Weaver is an android? Um, I don't think, I mean, I, can, I don't remember much of the other movies, 
she's not an android, I don't think, but I do think she gets cloned in one of the later sequels. Oh, okay. Like she's in it again, but she's a clone of herself. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's just, it's just kind of interesting when in the middle of the movie when you find out one person is an android. I mean, who's to say the rest aren't androids? But At that point, anybody could be an android. Yeah, that yeah. was a great twist and a lot of yeah. fun and great effects on him, too. When his oh, like, yeah. head pops off and he starts squirting his juice everywhere. Yeah, it's like milk coming out of everything. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then how they like they kind of uh, they they connect some wires and get his head to talk, so you just have a headless android talk or like a head of an android talking to you, mm-hmm. which uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, especially for 1979 or whatever. That's that's amazing. Um, so now the three people left, uh, and they decide to abandon ship. Uh, but while they're getting ready, two of the crew are killed. I thought this kill compared to their earlier two kills happened a little more quickly, um, but. Again, it was kind of happens off of camera. You don't see much happen. Yeah, the last two that de- two deaths are pretty abrupt. Yeah, yeah. Which is like they're making so much noise, banging these pipes around. Uh, I, I don't know what they were doing. Were they like trying to get pipes for the escape? Um, I can't remember what the goal was with the pipes. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't too sure. Um, there were there were some parts where like they would come up with a plan, like all right, everyone stick together and we're gonna hunt this thing down, and then like immediately after. They just like all kind of break up and, and go do their own thing. Yeah, uh, it was a little frustrating that they were split up at that point. Yeah, yeah. But uh, group organization under like times of stress, you know, I mean, that's understandable. Um, so uh, so now Ripley's the only one left. Uh, she puts the ship into self-destruct, gets into this escape pod, and manages to escape the blowing up ship just in time. But then uh, she looks in and she realizes that the alien is in the escape pod with her. Which uh, I thought this was cool, like being in such like a small space trapped with this huge alien. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty pretty awesome. Um, so then uh, she lures the alien out by like spraying it with like air. It gets out and it's like pretty angry. Uh, but then she opens the escape hatch. The alien flies out, but it's managing to hold on to the ship. So then she turns on one of the blasters or the burners of the spaceship, and uh, ends up burning it up. And I think that's how it dies, right? Yep. That's the end for the alien, and that's when yeah. we see its whole body, but it's kind of a far away shot at that point. Yeah, yeah, like the one time, like it. Uh, it gets, so I guess the alien's got hands and two legs, two legs, two hands, two two legs, two hands. That was then, the uh, the tagline. Yeah, it's just like us. Uh, <laughs> the tagline was literally. So I guess it's got two legs, two hands. <laughs> yeah, is that what we're doing here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and it's got like a tail, right? Yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, so the tagline itself is very famous. In space, no one can hear you scream. Oh, no one says that in the movie, though, do they? No. No, because that would be lame. Oh. <laughs> I thought that's and what tagline remember, lines. in space, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I, thought tag- movie. I thought taglines are, are things that they say in the movie that then they use that quote and pull it up. Only in the worst movies. Oh. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, yeah. Oh, so in space, no one can hear you scream. Yep. Nice. Uh, yeah. The movie ends with her uh, heading back to Earth. Um, so yeah, what what did you think about it? You know, I remember I embarrassingly didn't see this movie until my twenties, and I was probably like twenty three, and I was hanging out with a f- like high school friend, and we hadn't seen each other in a long time. Um, 
my buddy Matt, who I think sometimes listens. So hi, Matt. And I feel like we had gone out drinking and we came back to his apartment and he put this on and I was like kind of drunk and thought it was boring and fell asleep. Yeah. And now I can see why I thought it was boring. Oh, sure. Like, yeah. I was, I've since rewatched this movie and thought like, oh, how did I think it was boring? I was so stupid. But now I was like, yeah, I mean, it's slow at first. Yeah. Right. And even like what we've talked about, like the long buildups and then the very quick deaths that you don't see, the pacing is something to kind of get used to. It's a little mm-hmm. different, but it it's is. also kind of hypnotizing in a way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I actually thought that part, uh, I, I was impressed by like how, uh, like how long they took to get to things. And I, I think like they, uh, really effectively use that time to kind of pull you into the story, into these people, into like the day-to-day life of being on the ship. And, and I think because it's like late 70s, like this, seeing these kind of visuals on screen, like the spaceship, this planet, these ships, uh, and like the eggs and stuff, I think, I, f- I feel like they, it took the focus off of like things happening and more like appreciating the visuals of what was happening. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it really is kind of a, a visual feast, if you will. And the pace kind of lets you really sink in and enjoy it and it's very immersive like Mm -hmm. the production design and the creatures it really makes you feel like you are living in this world yeah right on the ship with them yeah exactly like if i think the pacing has to do with that too like it's it's so like slow and like kind of trotting and plodding on that you kind of feel like uh, you're there or something yeah it almost reminds me of the shining a little bit and just how much time it spends visually on the setting yeah. And how the setting just contributes so much to the atmosphere, like this cold, yeah, uh, sparse vibe. Yeah, that, that's actually a really good comparison, um, where it's like more more about the setting and the visuals and the feeling or atmosphere about it versus like the plot-by-plot plot play. Right, right. But there's still a compelling story, and we have not talked that much about Sigourney Weaver, but this is a great performance, and she's considered one of, like, all-time final girls because that's what she is in this movie yeah it was a cool performance and there's a lot of like gender stuff going on here too where she's the most logical person she tries to get them to do quarantine which is by the book for this dude with the grabber on his face and everyone else is like no we got to let him in and that's what ruins everything yeah so she's kind of constantly making logical decisions and being undermined by her male counterparts even when they don't outrank her yeah and for like a horror movie i feel like that was like pretty progressive like that her role that she was given like as as a final girl i feel like for movies at that time uh i I feel like the the females didn't have like as much agency whereas like in this you have like a very strong lead where like she's calling the the shots basically and uh yeah kind of taking that that role on of like being the the fighter is that fair yeah, that's totally fair. I mean, you think about another, uh, like, all-time final gore, final gore, final girl in Laurie Strode a year before in Halloween. Yeah. And she's very logical and gives Michael hell, but at the same time, she also has to play, if you're talking gender roles, she does scream and gets scared, and she's a victim the whole time. Yeah. And not that Ellen Ripley isn't a victim, just like everybody else on the ship, but she seems the least scared, the most logical, like the entire time she's, yeah. it's not like at the end she like finally right. brings it together. Like she is the most 
with it the whole time. Yeah, yeah. She's like badass like this whole movie. Uh, yeah. Kind of calling out like, yeah, what this needs to happen or like, yeah, taking charge and showing, um, yeah, what, what everyone has to do. Uh, and notably, the last three characters living are it's two women and a black dude. Oh, yeah. Wow, look at that. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's rare. Even if you look at horror movies up into the modern day, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a trope that horror comedies make fun of within the movie, but even still, right. like, the black character dies. Yeah, yeah. They're pretty quickly, like... <laughs> usually, and it's kind of embarrassing, because it's like, okay, we're all aware of this trope, and you're still killing off the black dude first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was cool. This movie kind of flipped uh, the head on that, and, like, killed off all, like, the white male characters first. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty, pretty smart. They um, even had some Android representation in there. Yeah, yeah. I thought that Android came out of nowhere. Uh, like, who would have thought there was an Android around there? Like, I didn't even know that was uh, a possibility. That is really a cool touch. Um, in this, and I can't pretend I know anything about screenwriting, but I read this book called The Screenwriter's Bible recently, and one of the things he said about monster movies or sci-fi or horror is that it can really add complexity to a movie if you've got this you could call it supernatural or otherworldly mm-hmm. enemy like an alien or monster but then you also have a human enemy to complicate oh. matters and add some tension yep and technically it's not a human enemy but it just made it the plot like, a little bit more dynamic and fleshed out yeah yeah i, li- I like that that was a really cool angle to throw in there um yeah. and i also thought they were trying to draw parallels between uh the android and the alien because Android kind of, when he's talking about the alien, he's talking about how, um, you know, it's like a perfect uh, specimen, um, like, you know, void of any flaws. And I feel like he says, like, some lines which seem to tie uh, him and the alien kind of, like, as one, uh, one uh, or, like, very similar characters. Yeah, he really admired it. And he mentioned something, like, unclouded by emotion, which kind of oh, made yeah. you think maybe an android is not immune to emotions. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. That, and what do you think of like the alien, like how it looked, how they made it out? So cool. I just, I don't think there's a monster that looks cooler than that. Yeah. What was all you? the, oh yeah, I think it's yeah, one of the coolest monsters I've seen. What's with all the, the like the nonstop, uh, fountain that's coming out of its mouth? Is that <laughs> right. just like saliva? I guess so. And mucus and yeah. Yeah. I and mean, it, it is a, a, mother looking to lay eggs in people and there are like deleted scenes where it's implied that one of the characters has been has had an egg laid in and that kind of business is pretty uh fluidy from my experience <laughs> <Yeah>. gets pretty <laughs> wet <laughs> witnessing yeah. two childbirths yeah 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 that makes sense uh and um yeah so uh the the alien um is it, because uh, I, I feel like they touch on this in other movies, but so the alien's a thing that uh, lays the, the eggs in the, the person, and so that thing that comes out that they're fighting uh, at the end, that that's the alien, um, that's kind of a mix of like a person and uh, the alien species, right? Hmm. That's a good question. I thought, yeah, I feel like I, one of the later movies maybe, uh, they, they hit on like how when, uh, yeah, the, you know, the alien uh, is kind of like, you know, what they find in the cave, which pops out of the egg, and then, you know, it lays its eggs in a person, and uh, I feel like there's some human DNA in that uh, last creature, but I might be wrong. You, you, this doesn't sound familiar to you? No, but I really don't know much about the franchise 
past year. It's been so long since I've seen them. Um, I know this yeah. is probably always frustrating for listeners who are very familiar with an entire <laughs> franchise and we talk about the first movie yeah. blindly. S- someone's um, screaming at us right now. <laughs> so, someone. Everyone. Yeah. But yeah, maybe you're right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I thought, I thought, uh, yeah, I forget why I, I thought that, but uh, for some reason. That would explain the the tagline of, I guess this thing has hands and feet, maybe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alien 7. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess we're kind of human. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I thought there was some uh, connection there. Um, but yeah, you made a really good point that this movie isn't like gory at all, which is really surprising for like a horror film, like barely any blood. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, I, I guess the bloodiest scene we get is that, that stomach explosion. Yeah. And that scene is pretty horrifying. And it happens. It's another thing that happens pretty quickly. It just shoots out of them. Yeah. Yeah. It happens really quick. Right. And one of it's pretty incredible. It's just off screen. You hear it in the background. I think the actress's name, you mentioned it at the top. Now I forget it. Maybe Veronica Cartwright, mm-hmm. the other woman who's one of the last three left. She just, she's like, oh God. And <laughs> yeah. It's just the way she says it is just makes your stomach drop <laughs> yeah yeah when, when the alien pops out of the stomach yep yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that scene is really it felt really real just like people in shock and mm-hmm. in disgust yeah uh yeah that's, that's a good one <laughs> um any other comments on it on the film not really i mean not the sound repetitive the visuals the visuals are great it really holds up i know yeah it's really it feels like timeless and uh, it really is yeah, I, th- I think a lot of it has to do with like the practical elements versus like any like were there even like any uh, like I, I guess probably not CGI for that time, right? No, I don't think there was any sort of animation or anything. As right. far as I saw, I could be wrong, but yeah, um, potentially the spaceship that explodes at the end, uh, I could see that potentially being a some kind right. of animation. Yeah, that but might be uh, true. yeah. Yeah, but but overall, like yeah, the, the effects and everything, yeah, very well done. Like very uh, visually appealing film. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, all right, well, yeah, uh, zero out of five. Um, oh, wait, uh, aliens popping out of bellies. What do you give this? <laughs> uh, I give it four point five. Aliens popping out of bellies. It's nice. just like a little tiny bit boring at parts, but yeah, I do think that works in the movie's favor in general. But it, it just keeps me from from giving it a straight up five sure sure yeah i mean this you? movie uh yeah i mean i i feel you on that i mean how, how long was it was it like it was a little over two hours right um can't remember it's pretty pretty darn close to two hours maybe like a couple minutes under oh okay yeah uh yeah i'm, I'm with you like uh it's, it's a long film uh but i feel like the pacing uh i kind of enjoyed it because it really pulled you into the characters and the people and the atmosphere they're in and for the time i feel like the production value is like really good and it feels timeless as you mentioned uh so yeah i, I think i agree with you i gotta give it a four and a half as well pretty pretty entertaining watch yeah. um yeah uh and it's yeah it's, it's it's surprising how do you feel about like them not showing the depth the deaths uh more in detail i think it probably could have enhanced the movie to tell you the truth yeah yep I kind of wish it's because the lead ups to the deaths are so long. Like you have these long drawn out scenes where they're hunting the alien, uh, and then like the the death like happens off camera, and it's kind of uh, kind of a letdown. Or at least if you had seen maybe a shot or two of a character stumbling upon a person after they had got got, which 
Oh, yeah. Those exist, but they were cut from the theatrical release. Oh, interesting. Yeah, what, uh, I just assumed it was eating everyone. Um, what, what, what does it do? Does it just, uh, kill them or does it I kind of skimmed over this, but it, I think the deleted scenes imply that one may be a host for another egg. Oh, I see. And one may be being slowly eaten or something. I can't remember. Got it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That'd have been some nice detail to throw in. Cool. All right. Well, yeah. Any other comments on the movie? That's it. Uh, well, then we'll wrap up our discussion on Alien. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That'll help other people find our show. And we very much appreciate it. If you want to join the discussion, uh, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com. Or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We'll be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We also have a Discord server where we're going to be chatting up with a few listeners and other horror fans. Uh, so you can join us there and you can find the link on our website. Uh, we also have a Patreon page in case you want to throw some uh, change our way. You can find us at patreon.com slash horrormovieclub. Our logo is by Amy Mae Popart, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, if you find a used condom on the street, there might be an alien running around, so watch out. <laughs>